We got word that uh, Becca's uh, father is not doing well in Pennsylvania, so let's uh, let's begin our, our time of um, uh, worship service, praying for Becca's father. We love to to you, Becca's father. We pray for healing. We pray we cover, cleanse him by the blood of Jesus. Cover, cleanse him in his spirit, soul, body, mind, will, emotion. We cast out all symptoms of breathing. Fever, we cast it all out in Jesus' name. We pray, O oh Lord, for you to come. Uh, touch him with your own nail pierced hands. Touch him, O oh Lord, heal him in an instant. We pray for a testimony, Lord, that you that you are still powerful. You're Jehovah Rapha. We look to you, Lord. We cancel every attack, so Lord, we cancel all attacks in Jesus' name. We cancel all attacks in Jesus' name. We cancel all attacks in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for healing. We declare, we command healing to come over his body. Healing. Healing from heaven. Healing, Jesus. By your, by your wounds we're healed. By your wounds we're healed. By your wounds. Cover, cleanse, and sanctify. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Jehovah Rapha, we pray for Becca's father all together. We declare healing to come over his body in Jesus' name. We, we come in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. We bind and rebuke any uh, form of infirmity and sickness. We cast it out of his body and into the abyss. We, we plead the blood of Jesus over his spirit, soul, body, mind, will, and emotions because by your wounds we're healed. So we plead the blood over uh, the entire uh, um, household, uh, Peter's, ho uh, Becca's household, uh, Becca's parents, Becca's siblings, all people who are gathered, we, we declare healing to come over that family. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would teach us now more on how to pray. We avail ourselves to you. We, we pray for eyes to hear, eyes to see, and ears to hear, and hearts that understand the truth that you're about to give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been talking about prayer, so um, does someone remember what we, what we talked about last week? Lord's Prayer. Lord's Prayer. Did, raise your hand if you actually did the Lord's Prayer this week. Most of us, praise the Lord. We're going to be uh, talking about a different prayer. If you can turn with me to Luke 11. Luke 11, actually, I'm sorry, not a Luke, Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10. Is the audio okay in the back? And in the front? Is it okay in the front too? We're just trying different placement of our speakers. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. Amen. Title for today is to put on the whole armor of God and wield the sword of the Spirit. Put on the whole armor of God and put uh, wield the sword of the Spirit. The Lord's Prayer, we prayed uh, last week, uh, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And then there's that last part that says, lead us not into, into, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And, and, and I think we kind of just gloss over that verse. And I think large sections of the body of Christ just kind of gloss over that verse. Like, do we really need to pray this prayer? Uh, is temptation that uh, sneaky that we can uh, just unknowingly stumble into a pit? Is it that much of a problem? Is this evil that is talked about uh, real? Is it, is it just in Hollywood? Because I think Satan, he's just done a... A marvelous job of um, just deceiving the body of Christ and and making us not believe that he exists and and in some countries he's very visible in places like America um, I think even in the church we we kind of think okay he's, he exists but I, I don't really see him I don't really feel him and so we kind of just look at that verse lead us not into temptation and, and, uh, and deliver us from the evil one and not realize how serious of a verse that is. Um, I think most people think, I am smart, I have eyes, I, I have a brain, and so if I see temptation, I will, first of all, I'll know that it's there. If there's evil, I'll know it's there and I will just stay on the narrow road. And we, and we just, uh, I think we, we maximize or overestimate our ability to to not fall into temptation and into the schemes of the of the devil and um, we underestimate how serious of a verse this is Ephesians 6 I think gives us uh, this flavor uh, that let me just jump actually before we go to Ephesians no, let's go to Ephesians. Sorry, I have a lot of verses and I am asking the Lord to help me to organize. Uh, well, before we go to Ephesians, we know that Satan is a father of lies and so it's not going to be clear to us uh, um, when he's speaking that it's actually harmful. And it's going to sound good and it's, and it's going to be leading us to destruction because it's a lie. And there's many things that even are taught in churches that are just flat out lies, but they're 
quoting the scripture uh, and it's just a slight twisting of it and in the end you don't realize that Satan has you if you believe that thing. Uh, Satan is father of lies. Uh, he's actually the ruler of this world and that's in John 12, John 14, John 16. He's a father of lies, John 8. So the Gospel of John is a, is a gospel I encourage you to read if you want to see the spiritual dimension of reality. And, and <clears throat> You would ask people, who is the ruler of this world, even in the church? And I don't know if, if, if even Christians would readily say that this world is ruled by a person named Satan. It's not evil in an abstract sense. He's a person. He's a fallen angel. And uh, uh, I think you would be hard-pressed in many uh, parts of the body of Christ to really believe that Satan is a ruler of this world. Uh, he's a, called a god of this world, 2 Corinthians 4. He's a spirit who is at now at work in those who are disobedient, Ephesians chapter 2. And in Revelations 12, he is the one who accuses brothers day and night. In Luke chapter 11, at the end of the chapter, uh, Jesus is speaking to lawyers and scribes and Pharisees. And they're trying to provoke Jesus about many things, it says. And then in verse 54 of Luke 11, it says, Lay Laying wait for him and seeking to catch someone out of his mouth, something out of his mouth, that they might accuse him. So who is attacking Jesus in Luke chapter 11? Is it the lawyer? Is it the scribe? Is it the Pharisee, or is it Satan? And we and we clear. Okay, let's let's. Any answers? Yes, John. Satan. Satan. Satan is the ruler of this world, and people, knowingly or unknowingly, are instruments of Satan. And actually, I think most people, if if his kingdom is darkness, like we are, kingdom of light. So we know who our God is. We know what we're doing. But if you're in a kingdom of darkness. Uh, I think many people who are serving Satan, they don't even know they're serving Satan. They think it's a good movement. They think this is, this is, uh, this is good for society. They think it's, it's, uh, um, um, the, like, uh, it's like truth to them. It's, it's not clear because it's dark. Satan is a father of lies. And so they're, they're following Satan and they don't even know they're following Satan. And they do many things. They don't even know exactly what they're doing or why they're doing it. Uh, things are hidden. Things are uh, uh, um, just, just dark. And, and so when there's an accusation that comes... Uh, through a person. That person is just an instrument. But we tend to focus on the person. We get angry at the person. But we need to see there is a spirit that is at work and, and he just happens to, to use that person. Like in the Matrix, if you've seen the Matrix, you have all these agents and the agents can just take over a body. And that body, in that moment, whether they know it or not, they are an instrument. Of, 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 the, of the matrix, of the machine. And people go through life, they think they're, they're, they're free, they think this, this, is, this, is, this is a world and there is no ruler above me. And then you see uh, that one scene where these people are attached to these, these cables and they're in these pods and, and they're just enslaved. And I think that is such a powerful metaphor uh, for what this world is. It is not what we see. It is not what we hear. It is, it is something going on that is dark. Uh, there, there are lies that we've just allowed to come in and we don't even know it's a lie. We actually think that what we're hearing is the truth. We actually think it's good counsel. 
And Jesus, from uh, early on in his ministry, he's being accused, and the one accusing at the core is Satan. And then when Jesus, uh, earlier in the chapter, Luke 11, 14 through uh, 26, he, uh, he cast out a demon, a, 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 a deaf and a mute demon. And it's interesting that when you, when you study it carefully, uh, Jesus is actually calling out a spirit by name. And that spirit manifests a certain way, even physically. Like the, this, this deaf, mute spirit, what did it do? It caused deafness. It caused muteness. It caused epileptic seizures. But, but Jesus, when he casts out, he casts out the name of the spirit. He says, you deaf, mute spirit, get out. Um, and, and when this happens, of course, he gets accused. He says, you're the prince of demons. You're Beelzebul. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is come upon you. And so I, I, you know, in 2022, I don't want to talk about the kingdom. I want to see the kingdom. Uh, the, the, you know, we can talk about um, demonic things, uh, but when, you, when, you, when things shift in your brain, when things shift in your mind, when, when your whole demeanor shifts, uh, and, and even when you're sick, not realizing that this sickness could be caused by a demon, and the sickness immediately is healed. When this kind of stuff happens, you realize there is something, there's an unseen reality. And so I hope in 2022 that we see things, we hear things, uh, there, there's testimonies of immediate shifts, because that means the kingdom of God has come upon us. And that's my prayer for this year. Um, many people in the body of Christ don't believe that Christians can be demonized. Um, and, and they quote 1 John 4, verse 4, Great is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus on our side. And isn't he greater uh, than Satan, the ruler of this world? And so we, we like to, to quote 1 John 4, uh, verse 4, and say Christians cannot be demonized. Uh, I think it depends. I think it is possible to be demonized. Um, uh, and then he goes on in Luke 11, verse 21, 22, when a strong man armed, uh, I'm reading from the King James, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor, wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. So if you trust in Jesus, that is like an armor. And, and Jesus, of course, is stronger than you. I mean, stronger than Satan. And so if, if, if Jesus is in you, if he is your shield of faith, if he's the armor that you put on, then of course Satan can't touch you. But even in the body of Christ, there are different levels of trust. There's different levels of faith. And there are days and maybe even weeks and months when our, our faith just kind of crumbles and it disappears. And in those moments, it's like, it's like our immune system is down. And Satan can come. Like if you have a strong immune system, you can be a room full of coughing, sneezing people and, and you'll walk out of there this, the same as healthy as when you walked in. But if your immune system is compromised, one little touch or cough or breathing on you and you're sick. And it's the same, I think, when it comes to evil spirits. That if you're strong in the faith, it's like you have a boosted immune system. But if you're weak in your faith, then who is stronger? It's, it's just you versus Satan in the end.
And Satan is stronger than us when we don't have faith. And so in those moments, Satan, you know, of course, we read Luke 11 and say, yeah, Jesus is stronger than Satan. Satan originally is a strong man, but if someone stronger comes, that's Jesus. Jesus can bind up Satan, set you free. But if it's just you and Satan, who's stronger? It's not us. Satan is stronger. So in that moment, even a, a Christian, a Christ-believing, professing person can be demonized in that moment when your faith is weak and your immune system is down. Uh, one, uh, um, in Acts chapter 19, I find this to be a funny occasion. Of uh, There's these Jewish exorcists who are trying to cast out uh, demons uh, in Jesus' name and in the name of Paul, uh, the, the Jesus that Paul preached. So obviously they don't have faith, uh, but they're trying to mimic it uh, and, and they come across uh, this uh, person and that person has, is the seven sons of, of Sceva and the evil spirit uh, in this person says, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And so th I think that, that's what we're dealing with. There, if you have a strong faith, you, you come across a demon, they see it. And, and they say, okay, that person knows Jesus. And whatever you say, they actually submit under that authority. But if you don't know Jesus well, we're like the, the, the Jewish exorcists who just think, okay, I, I go to church and I can just say these words, but realize in the moment I, am, I, I don't have spiritual strength. This demon is stronger than me, just the way Satan is stronger than me if my faith is down. This is all just background. I think some of these things we're going to come back to in a, in a later time. Okay. Not every, uh, not every physical issue is purely physical. Not every mental issue is purely, men uh, is purely mental. Not every emotional issue is purely emotional. There are times in which the, the physical sickness is caused by a spirit. There's times when their mental uh, instability is caused by a spirit. There's times when our emotions that are out of whack are caused by a spirit. And um, let me give you an example. Uh, Mark chapter 9. Uh, there's a father who comes to Jesus and, and uh, he, he says uh, this, uh, this uh, I have brought my son which has a spirit in him and this spirit causes the son to foam to, to be in some kind of an epileptic seizure uh, and so if we have a, a loved one and they are having epilepsy we would say this is just physical, neurological we're going to just treat it uh, and this is just a Western Christian mindset who's well-educated. We're just going to treat it through drugs, and, and, and that's the best that we can do. Jesus somehow, in this particular case, he knew there was a spirit behind the seizure. And he cast it out, um, and he, he sa um, it says, uh, let's see. He says in uh, Mark 9, verse 25, this mute and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter him no more. And so this one is, is Jesus knowing exactly what is the spirit behind the, the epileptic seizure. Uh, and he calls it by name. He, and, he, and how does he deal with it? He commands it through words. Uh, Matthew 17 is similar. 
The King James says he's a lunatic, but the word is epileptic in, in, the, in the Greek. And it says, and there it says he rebukes this devil. And then the, the devil departed out of him. And this person was cured. So now we get to uh, the, the, the main text, Ephesians chapter 6. This message will be over your head if you do not know uh, that there is a spiritual unseen reality. Uh, and, uh, and Satan is powerful and he's organized and he's, he's very systematic the way he comes over uh, people and churches and, and regions and nations. And, and um, uh, if you don't realize that how easily we fall into his temptations, how easily we get deceived by his lies, we will not take seriously the charge in Ephesians chapter 6 to put on the whole armor of God. Uh, and it says in verse 10, um, I'll read from the King James this time. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Um, and uh, the, the words here are very confusing. I, I looked at the Greek. I'm, I was still having trouble. And so I listened to, uh, to a preacher named Derek Prince. I think he is a, he is a scholar. And he, he gave me what I thought was a, a, um, a good explanation of what these words are. For principalities, and this is uh, Prince's translation of principalities. He says this is rulerships. And, and I think uh, because Satan was a fallen angel... Uh, he's actually stealing God's system because heaven is highly organized and Satan just took that system and then his dark system of darkness is highly organized. And this rulership is, is one person at the top who rules everything, Satan. And then he has sub-rulers who... Uh, who uh, have authority over a smaller region and then, and then even uh, smaller and smaller regions. But it's highly, it's a military. Uh, it's, it's like generals and lieutenants and colonels and captains and privates. It's highly organized. And it's not by accident that Satan would organize his kingdom this way. And so this principality is rulerships. And his kingdom is highly organized with uh, sub-rulers and, and smaller territories of rule and reign. The next one is powers, and this is authorities. And uh, interestingly, on the other side, the uh, God side, kingdom of God, we also have Jesus' power and authority. So Satan is doing the same thing. He, he delegates his power to his generals and then the colonels and the lieutenants and down the chain. Uh, and then it says, the rulers of the darkness of this world. And Prince says, this is world dominators. Um, God never dominates. Uh, so if you are in a church and you feel dominated, there is a spirit at work in that church. If you feel pressured, if you feel guilt, if you feel like there's some manipulation and there's this 
this spirit of like putting you in your place. That is not of God. That is satanic. Satan dominates. One day he will dominate this world. He is building up toward this worldwide domination. He's doing it in pieces. He's taking over areas and sectors and industries. Eventually he will have world domination. And so this is uh, uh, Satan's plan. He wants to do dominate. And like I said before, most people in this system, they don't know who they're reporting to. They don't know that the person at the top is Satan. They don't know this person is going to send them to hell. They, they've been sold a, a, a bag of goods that it has, that's false and expired and, and rotten, but they're eating it. They think, this is, this is good. This is, I need to help this movement, and it's going to help society and humanity. They don't see because it's dark. It's dark, and there's lies everywhere. And again, spiritual, spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, and, and Prince uh, says, not high places, in the heavenlies. Um, Satan actually is not in hell right now. Eventually he will go there. Eventually he will be in the, in the, in the abyss. Right now he is, he is roaming the earth in the heavenlies. He, he's wreaking havoc in many places and many, uh, many people. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's the beginning uh, context. And so from there, in verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. The whole point of this armor is just to stand. It's nothing glamorous. It's like you got to put on these defensive articles of clothing. The same way if you're fighting in a war, you're not going to go in your pajamas and your flip-flops. You're going to put on your boots. You're going to put on your helmet. You're going to put on a bulletproof whatever. I, if I had a choice, I would bulletproof every square inch <laughs> of my body. I would be like a knight with bulletproof armor. Um, because, because that's, you know, that's, that's the picture here. We're, we're in a battle. We're in a war. But Christians who do not believe this probably never, ever pray this prayer. So I want to convince you today that we are in a war. So let's pray the Lord's Prayer every single day. Let's add this as well. Let's pray Ephesians chapter 6 every single, every single day. Verse 14, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. The loins girt about with truth. It's, it's the waist, it's the midsection area. It's, a, it's more like a belt. Uh, like in those days, you put on your belt and everything kind of ties together. And you put, on, you, you put your sheath there and your sword. And, and everything holds together in this midsection area through, the, the, through, uh, through, this, um, uh, through the belt. And I've been asking the Lord all week, just give me a little bit more understanding of each piece of this argument, uh, of this uh, uh, armor, so that I can explain it, so that we know what we're doing. And, and what you believe about truth is, is critical. Because if you don't have the correct understanding of truth, it's like your pants are going to fall down and your, your weapons are going to be on the ground and, and things are going to, you're going to be disheveled and you're going to be un, un, unequipped. At least half of your body is going to be exposed and you're going to have all your weapons on the ground if you don't have the correct understanding of truth. And you can ask people, what is truth? They might say the Bible. They may say theology, they might say John Piper, they might say all kinds of answers, but we know truth is not a thing, it's a, it's a He. Jesus is the way, 
the truth and the life. If, and if you have a correct understanding of Jesus being like the belt, the, the central part of, of this armor, it's the first piece that you put on, that everything ties together. And I want to read from Colossians 1, verse 16. For by Him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He, Jesus, is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. I think that's a metaphor. Jesus is saying, I'm like your belt of truth. You got you to center on me first. And that will, that's the beginning of your correct understanding of how to fight spiritually. You got to put on the right belt, and the belt of truth is Jesus. He holds it all together. If you don't have the belt on, everything falls apart. The next one um, is the breastplate of righteousness. I've been asking the Lord, what is this breastplate of righteousness? And just at a high level, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be presented blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are three parts yet one. We have a body that everyone can see. There's a soul that God breathed into us, and there's a spirit that needs to come to life. And Satan can only attack the first two. He can attack your body. He can put you in prison. He can, put, he can make you starve because you're out of his system. He can persecute you. He can hurt your body a great deal. He can, but his main attack, at least now, uh, and I think even in the end, even the physical stuff, I think we will get over it. But the one that really uh, lasts is the attack on our soul. There's a, there's a nursery rhyme, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words... Names will never hurt me. I think that's what it's called. I think Satan must have come up with that because words hurt. Words hurt a great deal. Like uh, to a little kid, a father, mother says something. They, they, don't, they don't even remember they said it. But that kid grows up into their 30s, 40s, 50s. They remember that little word. Somehow that word came in and formed some kind of an argument, a stronghold got set up in your head and in your emotions, in your soul, and for 50 years, you're, you're, you're bound by that thing and you are living it out. So words are powerful. And Satan, he attacks. How does he attack us primarily? It's through words. It's through words. He accuses before God the brothers and sisters day and night. Like he did to Job. He said to God, Job doesn't love you. Just take away his, his blessings. He will curse you to your face because, because Satan has done this enough. He knows humanity. He knows how weak we are. And, 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 and he, he sees that most people just love God because God is so gracious. He blesses and your life is going so well. That's why you love God. But, but Satan says, just take away the blessings. They will curse you. You will see what they're made of. And God, God says, okay, here's a righteous man, Job. He's going to silence you, Satan. And you will see he, he will not curse me. But Satan, his main uh, weapon is a word. Accusation. And the breastplate of righteousness, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8, explains it this way, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. I think here is our emotions. 
the, 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 the chest area. It's our emotions, it's our heart, it's our love, it's where we express faith. It's not just saying it, that's not what saves us. We say it, we confess it, yes, but we say it because we really believe it in our heart. That's what saves it because it's in our heart. We have a faith that comes from the heart, a love that comes from the heart. And what does Satan want to attack? He wants to attack the soul, your emotions, and, and your heart to turn away from the Lord. That's what Satan wants. And so we put on a breastplate of righteousness. It is, is a protecting our faith and our love, our heart, our emotions. From there, feet fitted with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shield of faith, and this shield is like a door. It's that long, that wide. It is, it is a full covering. And First John five verse four says, "For whoever who has who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is a victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So, what or who is the shield of faith? The shield the 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 shield, is, um, the shield is Jesus. We put our faith in Jesus. Jesus is like a door. It blocks all from head to toe. That's how, how long this shield is. It's a full body covering. We put our faith in Jesus and Jesus protects us. Jesus blocks all the attacks of the enemy. Satan is, is hurling, shooting, sending over, catapulting these flaming arts, uh, darts, arrows. And we hide behind Jesus. We put our faith in Him and Jesus defends us. Jesus blocks all of the attacks. And we put on the helmet of salvation and it says in 1 Thessalonians 8, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So we put on the helmet. It's not just believing in that, I'm, that, uh, that Jesus is my Savior, but it's putting my full hope in Him that one day I will be with Him, one day I will be finally saved and I'll be with Him for all eternity. We put all of our hope there, nothing in this life. That is what it means to put on the helmet of salvation. And this is all defensive uh, pieces of equipment. And so I, I ask you, just I think the Lord will give us more understanding as we pray it. We don't understand. We just know it's, it's, it's protecting us. We just know it's, it's protecting our heart. We just know it's protecting our thoughts. We know we, we need a renewed mind. We know we, we need to hope in, our, in, in, in Jesus' return. Uh, but we don't know the full reason why Jesus says specifically, pray this prayer. Holy Spirit says through, through Paul to pray this prayer. But just pray it because words have power. So just pray this prayer. Put on each of these defensive uh, pieces of your armor. And over time, you'll realize, you'll, I think Jesus will give us more vocabulary. He'll give us more understanding, revelation of what these things are doing. And we'll be, we'll be able to add more to this very simplified outline of a prayer. And the offensive, the single offensive weapon is the sword of the Spirit, and which is the Word of God. And this word is Rema. And again, I, I want to say, faith comes from hearing. We, uh, we, our offensive weapon is, 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 is spoken word. Satan's main attack against us is a spoken word. It matters that you pray aloud. It, it matters. It makes a difference. You can pray silently. I don't think in the spiritual realm it has the same effect. 
There's something about hearing the Word of God on a Sunday when you, when you go home and you just read it silently to yourself and you pray silently. It is different. There's something about hearing the Word of God. There's something about praying and hearing your own prayers aloud. There's, there's a spiritual power and authority that comes in that moment that you don't have when you just silently think it to yourself. It is an offensive weapon. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words are that powerful. Again, something spoken to you 40, 50 years ago, it, you still know it. You, it's it, like all the details of that moment are so vivid in your brain. It's like if you did a movie, you could script every second of that scene and you could put all the pieces and all the actors and, and the props exactly because it is that seared into your memory because something came into you. So that accusation came in and, and you, you started thinking about it you started saying it as you, as you, as you talk about your life. Uh, you started sharing it. You started giving that thought, that memory, more authority. Over time, it formed a stronghold. Uh, let me read. Where is the verse about the stronghold? Um, sec, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, I believe. Yes. Oh, no, 2 Corinthians 10. For, we, uh, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not... War after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a, re having in a readiness to, re to revenge or avenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. See, this is wartime language. Strongholds, taking captives, uh, uh, avenging. This is, this is wartime vocabulary. And if you understand the spiritual reality, you will, you will start praying Ephesians 6, knowing that Satan is coming after you and me day and night. And primarily it's through the words. And the words come in, it forms a stronghold. And, and the definition of stronghold is so fascinating. It's a, it's a person who goes through that false argument. It's false because we know where strongholds come from. We know where accusations come from. It's a false argument. It comes in and the person seeks shelter in it. Like why, what, If it's false, why would you seek shelter? Because to you, the father of lies told you, you didn't think it was false. You thought it was right or good or, or harmless or neutral so you, you entertain that thought that it's, and, it, and it formed a stronghold and it says you seek to go to that shelter to escape reality how many people in their thoughts they're stuck on something and they are escaping reality and they're going to a place called a false shelter it is, it is you're detaching yourself from what is real it's a stronghold Casting down imaginations. You think through the stronghold and it makes sense to you. You talk about it as if it's nothing. You say, this is just my life journey. You're, give, you're feeding into that argument. It's getting, it's, you're fortifying the walls of this false argument over time. You don't think it's harmful. And, and before you know it, you've been taken captive by it. You're a prisoner of your own making. Because Satan lied to you through a word 
through a memory, through an incident, somebody said something to you, someone did something to you, but it's, your battle is not carnal, it's not flesh and blood, it's not with that person, it's a spirit, Satan, who just used that person in that moment, and you became a captive. But we are supposed to, in Christ, with His power and authority, we're supposed to pull down the stronghold. Like 9-11, like we're supposed to demolish the tower, the way it fell. We're supposed to demolish it, just demolition, just straight down demolition. And, 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 and it's, it says bringing into captivity and, and avenging. It's like these are thoughts. And you say, why are we talking about these abstract notions and thoughts as if we are, they're physical? Because they are physical. There are angels, there are demons, and, and these lies come in and it forms a stronghold and they, and they are, uh, and when we, in Christ, we, we bind them, we rebuke them, we take them captive. We are not captive to them, they are captive to us because of the authority of Jesus Christ and we put them in their place and one day the, all of them will be in a line of captives and they will be prisoners of wars of Christ our King and they will be punished for all of their disobedience. That um, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What we say about others matters a great deal. Uh, what we say about ourselves matters a great deal. What we say about our past matters a great deal. Whatever we say about our future matters a great deal. What we say, it matters. Our warfare is mainly a war of words, truth and lies, accusations and vindications. It is a battle, a war of words. And so, no wonder the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We have to, to see, okay, this, these words are not right. It must be coming from a heart that is not right. And how is Satan using me as an instrument in this moment? Uh, what have I allowed to come in? What is the vulnerability? What do I need to cast out in Jesus' name? Proverbs 15, verse 4, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Uh, Satan uh, shoots darts at us, Ephesians chapter 6. And Revelations 12, uh, verse 10 and 11. He accuses us before our God day and night. But how do we overcome? It says in verse 11, 12, 11, my birthday, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. And this time it says, word as logos. And I was asking, Lord, why is it logos? And then it's just become very obvious. These people have given up their lives. It's like if I've given up my life uh, and, I, and, I, and I died because of Jesus, um, my, I, I have no ability any longer in this life to speak. But whatever I've said, whatever I've emailed, whatever's on a recording, that is now become my testimony. But for us, while we're alive, we're not, we're not going on things written on a page. We're, using, we're wielding the sword of the Spirit. It's our speech. That is, and we plead the blood of Jesus over ourselves, over the situation, uh, and we uh, use our mouth as an offensive weapon.
Okay, just real briefly now. It's uh, Luke chapter 8. There is a uh, demonized man. Uh, he's living in the region of the uh, Gadarenes. And, and there's an interesting verse that only shows up in the King James. I looked it up in the Greek. Sure enough, it's there. Uh, it says, verse 29, For he had commanded... This is he, as in Jesus, had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him. For oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he break, broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. I found it fascinating that this person met Jesus before. Uh, you might even say he is a born-again believer. Whatever spirit was in him, Jesus had already cast it out. But now he finds himself in a worse situation. It's like the, what Jesus says. You can, uh, you can, you can, uh, an evil spirit can be cast out of you. But if you, don't, if you don't put on the right armor, if you don't fill up with the Holy Spirit, that evil spirit will come back. He'll bring seven more evil spirits. And the last state of the, the, of, of the person will be worse than the first. I think the, this, this, this demon-possessed demon person in the gatherings, he is such a man. That he met Jesus. Jesus cast out the spirits. Somehow he didn't put the armor on. He didn't fill up. The spirits came in and now he has a hundred, a legion of, of demons in him. And it says in verse 31, they besought him that he would command them not to go into the deep. And the deep is the abyss. That is the final resting place, the torment, place of torment uh, for, for, for Satan and unclean spirits and the dead who do, do not believe in Jesus. And so the last place that an unclean spirit wants to go is the abyss, the deep, the bottomless pit. So if we, in G with the power and authority of Jesus Christ, cast an unclean spirit out of a person, that is not enough. Because if he's floating around and that person is, is vulnerable again, it's going to come right back in. So when we cast it out, where do we send it? The abyss. Into the abyss. Yes. Into the abyss. So, and how did Jesus cast it out? Um... It says, uh, Matthew's version, Matthew 8, which is the same account as Luke 8, Matthew 8, verse 32, And he said unto them, the evil spirits, Go! And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. So how do we cast it out? In the power and authority of Jesus Christ, and how do we cast it out? Through words. We command it to leave in Jesus' name. That's how we deal with unclean spirits. Why do, why do I say we cast out in the power and authority of Jesus? It's because in Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus gives all of His church authority and power from on high. Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, and saying, All power... This is power slash authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, 
even unto the end of the age. Amen. So I think any, any Bible-believing Christian, whether you're a conservative or charismatic, you would say, okay, this, Jesus is speaking to the church. He's speaking to the, the disciples who are with them. People are gathered as a crowd of believers, even beyond uh, the eleven. But he is not focusing on only apostles. This is, this is just a general uh, authority given to his church that, that is, is for every generation. But I want to read uh, Mark's version of this same Great Commission in Mark 16, verse 15, because it, it has a totally different flavor. It says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any, any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord has spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and then went forth, and, and they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the world with, word with signs following. Amen. If you're a Baptist and you talk about the Great Commission, you will only ever talk about Matthew 28 because you, under, you love baptism. And so you're going to go into all the world. You will baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you will do this until Jesus returns. But will they ever think that I should be casting out devils? Will, I, will they think I should actually lay hands on people and heal the sick? Is there such a thing as supernatural protection from serpents and poisons? And I just want to say, it's the same account. It's, it's Matthew's version. We've got to juxtapose it with Mark's version. It's the same account, same power and authority. It's not just authority to baptize and to teach. That does require power and authority and spiritual gifting to teach and to preach. But here, it is a different thing altogether. It is supernatural power against unclean spirits to heal and, and supernatural protection. And so how do we do it? First, we, we, we ask for the Holy Spirit. We ask for power. We ask for the filling. We ask for power from on high. We ask for Pentecost to come. This is, a, this is from last week. We pray not only the Lord's Prayer, but Father, send the Holy Spirit. We need Him in our life because otherwise we're just empty shells. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit with power. And then we, 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 we receive what Jesus gave to His church. We receive. Jesus, you gave your church power. In faith, I receive it. You gave your church authority. In faith, I receive authority. And then we go out in faith and we do it. We, we lay hands in, in, the, in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Through words, we command things to shift and to move and to leave, to go to the abyss. And I pray that this year, we, we don't talk about the kingdom. Kingdom is not a, a, a matter of talk. It is about power. I pray that we would see the kingdom in our midst. Okay, let's pray.
Father, we understand now why it is so important to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. We're in a war. Some of us, for the first time, it's dawning on us that we're in a war. This is not a stroll through a park. This is not just a playing church on a Sunday. We're in a war for souls. And the first one that Satan wants to take down is our soul. He will attack us through words, primarily through accusations. And if we don't have the right armor on, if we don't have a strong immune system, the words just come in and reside. The, the, the flaming dart lands and starts a fire. A stronghold is built. And before we know it, we're captive. Father, thank you for teaching us how to pray about the armor of God. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this present age, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenlies. Therefore, each one of us in faith, we put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand. We start by putting on the belt of truth. Jesus, you are the truth. I pray that you will surround us, that you'll be in us, that we will be in Christ. We pray, O oh Lord, that also we put on the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate that protects our heart so that we can express faith and love toward God and Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. Help us to put on uh, shoes that are fitted with a preparation of the gospel of peace so that wherever we walk there is peace whatever situation we walk into there is peace because we're bringing the kingdom the kingdom of light we hide behind you Lord Jesus we put our faith in you you are our shield and our strong tower we put our absolute faith in Jesus I pray that you would protect us, block us from all the attacks of the enemy. And now that we're fortified and protected, we wield the sword of the Spirit. We come in the power and authority of Jesus Christ and we ask that you identify all the spirits that are at work in this place. We want to know them by name. We want to cast them out by name. Holy Spirit, may you show it to each of us what the names are so that we can, in this moment, pull down strongholds and we can be released from captivity. We can send these unclean spirits into the abyss so that they can't come and bother us again. We come in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Every unclean spirit, we bind and rebuke you. We command you to leave in Jesus' name. We command that spirit of depression, leave and cast into the abyss never to bother the brothers and sisters in this place. We bind and rebuke the spirit of religion. We cast you into the abyss never to bother your people again. We're never going to be deceived by the spirit of religion ever again. Any high thing, Father, show it to us. Anything that's exalting itself against the knowledge of God, show it to us, Holy Spirit, during this time.
Thank you for teaching us that we can wield the sword of the Spirit. We can exercise authority through our spoken word, Rema. We pray that you set your people free as we partake in the Lord's Supper. We pray that you come and fill us. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ will come in. We be filled and have our mind fixed on the Spirit who brings life and peace. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.